it here There ain't no entertainment And the judgments are severe The maestro says it's Mozart But it sounds like bubblegum Listening to CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. Stay tuned now for The Jazz Show coming right up right now. Do-ba-dee-oo, 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 do-ba-dee-oo,
We would like to welcome you to another edition of The Jazz Show in uh, beautiful Vancouver. We we're having a wonderful spell of, uh, of great weather, a little cool in the evening, but are we going to complain about that when the sun is shining during the day and the, it's really, uh, really nice and uh, even people on the street seem to be responding very positively to this kind of weather, so, and it's going to stick around for quite a while, too. This is The Jazz Show, a regular feature on CITR-FM 101.9, or, of course, for live streaming on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we call this show The Jazz Show, and my name is Gavin Walker, and uh, we're going to carry on until well after midnight with some of the very best in jazz music and of course we've got some announcements um, and a whole variety of music to play for you this evening and as usual the most important part of our show or an important part of the show is our jazz feature which we uh, kick off with um, every uh, Monday night and this month the month of October we're featuring a group of musicians who deserve wider recognition, and they all play the alto saxophone, the E-flat alto saxophone, and that's where they made their name uh, in music. And these are all great players. Of course, we know some of the most prominent players of the alto saxophone, Cannonball Adderley, Charlie Parker, Phil Woods, Jackie McLean, um, jazz fans know about these people, but um, we're featuring some of the more obscure and yet very, very deserving musicians, and they all um, honed their own individual style. So we get to tonight's jazz feature. Um, he is a gentleman by the name of John Jenkins. He was born in Chicago January 3rd, 1931, and passed away in New York City at 62, uh, July 12, 1993. Jenkins went to DuSable High School, which was had this incredible music program, and it was governed by a disciplinarian, but a, a musician that everyone respected, Captain Walter Diet. And, of course, he emphasized skills, musical skills, not only... Did you have to play the instrument? You had to read music very well. You had to interpret it right from the paper. And um, he, he was, uh, he, through his teaching, he produced some of the greatest jazz musicians ever. Um, people like uh, Johnny Griffin, gentleman who was on our theme song, Gene Ammons, and the leader of that band, Trombonist Benny Green, who uh, he was a student of Walter Diet, Eddie Harris, Richard Davis, Clifford Jordan, and many, many others. And Jenkins was a student of Captain Walter Diet. And John Jenkins started on clarinet, but he soon, after hearing a recording by Charlie Parker, decided that he wanted to play the saxophone. And, of course, Charlie Parker became his biggest influence. 
John had a, a wonderful, created a wonderful style on his instrument. And of course, by the time he became uh, competent, Around 1949, he began being heard in sessions all over Chicago, and he became uh, a fixture in that city uh, in the early 50s. He played at Joe Siegel's famous jam sessions, and he was a regular at the Beehive, which was Chicago's major jazz club at the time and that presented, presented modern, modern jazz. And Jenkins led his own band with various people, and he performed with... Uh, musicians of, uh, uh, that had national reputations as well. In early 1957, on the advice of many, he decided to move to New York City. And, of course, that's where all the record companies were, all the gigs were, and you had to go to New York. And it was very interesting because uh, Jenkins, one of his first gigs in New York was working a couple of months with the one and only Charles Mingus in his jazz workshop. Now, there are no recordings uh, of that period when Jenkins did play with Mingus, as far as I know. It would have been nice to hear. But through his association with Mingus, um, he began to record as a sideman for various people, including one of Mingus's very best friends, vibist Teddy Charles. And he appeared on a recording with Teddy. And... Uh, did a whole bunch of other things. He did a wonderful two-alto disc called Alto Madness, and it was kind of a, a takeoff of the very famous Tenor Madness album in which Sonny Rollins of John Coltrane played together. This was Alto Madness, and he was paired with one of his uh, idols, uh, New York alto saxophonist Jackie McLean, and that's a very fine date. Um, it's interesting to listen to the contrast between McLean and, and Jenkins. McLean, of course, is very assertive and dramatic with honks and slurs and violent, almost violent blue notes, whereas Jenkins' style was very cool. It was much calmer, uh, and yet it featured uh, quicksilver darting lines that uh, he kind of uh, reflected uh, that side of um, his influence from Charlie Parker. Anyway, uh, it was very interesting because every city seemed to have, um, in those days, back in the 50s, um, alto saxophonists that were influenced and inspired by Charlie Parker. Boston had uh, a gentleman named Charlie Mariano. Los Angeles had Frank Morgan. Detroit had one of my favorites, Sylvester Kiner, better known as Sonny Red. San Francisco had Pony Poindexter and John Handy. And even Vancouver, B.C., our little old city, had the late, great Dale Hillary, who was one of my all-time favorite saxophone players, and the budding and still very vital P.J. Perry, who is still playing today and appearing, uh, appears here in Vancouver uh, quite often. And both Dale Hillary and P.J. Perry lived here at the time uh, and worked at the original cellar, which I'll be talking about a little later on in the show. Anyway, getting to our jazz feature, this is John Jenkins' very first album, and it came out on Blue Note Records. And it's a rather rare item. 
Um, it was decided by the producer, and it was a situation that worked out very well for Jenkins, but the producer, Alfred Lyon, who owned B, uh, Blue Note Records, decided that uh, uh, John Jenkins was not quite a big enough name, even though he is the leader on this date, and it was suggested that um, John's frontline partner would be guitarist Kenny Burrell. And because Burrell had a much bigger name by that time. And somehow that alliance worked out beautifully. Alfred Lyon kind of knew what he was doing, and Burrell and Jenkins got along extremely well uh, musically. The rest of the rhythm section was uh, picked by John. Sonny Clark, the legendary Sonny Clark on piano, the great Paul Chambers on bass, and Danny Richmond on drums. And, of course, uh, there's not too many recording dates with Danny on them uh, outside of the Mingus fold. And uh, uh, John and Danny had become good friends, and he liked Danny's drumming very much, and so Danny Richmond is the drummer on this album. All of this was recorded in August of 1957. Just as an addenda, John only made um, a couple of other albums. He did one for Savoy Records called Jazz Eyes, uh, along with trumpeter Donald Byrd. And uh, he did a date with uh, Clifford Jordan for prestige new jazz called Jenkins, Jordan, and Timmons, featuring himself, Clifford Jordan, and pianist Bobby Timmons. That's a very good album as well. But this one is wonderful, and uh, you'll get a chance to really hear his uh, alto saxophone concept on this date. What happened to Jenkins? Interestingly enough, he dropped out of music about 1960. And the reason was that he didn't want to play in Broadway show bands and, and, and play a lot of uh, uh, nightclubs and backup singers and all that. He just wanted to play jazz. And he became quite discouraged because he had a family and he wasn't really able to make a living playing strictly jazz. So he decided to hang up his horn and stop playing entirely. And um, what he did... Despite the fact that he was a, an excellent all-around musician, he just wanted to play jazz, and he was quoted as saying that uh, he was most—he uh, wanted to play music that he was most proud of, and that's jazz, man. That's that was basically what he said. So um, he engaged for many years in other pursuits away from music. He bought a fleet of push carts. <laughs> believe it or not, that sold household goods uh, on the streets of, of New York City um, and and actually did very well. He also um, became um, very adept at making costume jewelry and uh, all kinds of uh, um, sort of artsy stuff. And uh, he uh, sold it at uh, various arts and crafts fairs. He also worked as a courier as well, throughout the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And sometime, sometime in the 80s, he decided to take his horn out of mothballs and start to practice again. And he regained his uh, musical strength. He played on the street. He played in parks. 
And uh, in the early 90s, he joined Clifford, his friend, Clifford Jordan's big band, and he was heard at uh, various gigs on that big band, and by all accounts, he sounded very, very good. However, uh, sad to say, he became ill and died at age 62, uh, July 12, 1993, and his passing went totally unnoticed in the jazz press, which is really sad. Clifford Jordan kind of uh, updated me on what happened to John Jenkins. And uh, so tonight, he lives on this recording, and uh, he sounds wonderful. So we get to the jazz feature, um, the tunes on the record. Once again, the personnel, John Jenkins on alto saxophone. His co-star is Kenny Burrell on guitar, Sonny Clark on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Danny Richmond on drums. The first tune is a Cole Porter uh, tune taken way up tempo, and it's called From This Moment On. It's kind of a flag waver tune, a good way to introduce the whole crew. Um, the second tune is a John Jenkins original called Motif. Very nice uh, melodic lines. John was a nice composer as well. Um, tune number three is a ballad that's not played very often by jazz musicians, and John does a beautiful job on an old standard tune called Everything I Have Is Yours. And uh, after that, then we go to another Jenkins original called Sharon, which is um, based on a tune by Miles Davis call, uh, called Four. And, um, but there's a different melodic line on there, and Jenkins composed it. Uh, tune number five is called Shallow Mo, and that is the lower register of the clarinet. That's what they call the lower register, uh, the Shalomo register. And, and, of course, clarinet was John Jenkins' first instrument. So that tune kind of is reminiscent of that, Shalomo. And the final tune is a tune by Kenny Burrell, um, dedicated to John, and it's called Blues for Two. So here, then, is our jazz feature, very fine alto saxophonist, John Jenkins and Company.
Our jazz feature tonight, the sadly obscure alto saxophonist John Jenkins. This was his debut album under his own name for Blue Note Records. And uh, as it turned out, it's a fairly rare Blue Note item, too. And John was paired uh, on the front line with the great Kenny Burrell on guitar. And the rhythm section, Sonny Clark on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Danny Richmond on drums. And all of this was recorded in Rudy Van Gelder's studio in Hackensack, New Jersey, August 11th, 1957. John Jenkins. John, of course, was uh, born and raised in Chicago and learned how to play there and studied, uh, went to uh, DuSable High School, which had this uh, incredible music program. And, of course, John, along with his friend uh, Clifford Jordan, a great tenor saxophonist, um, and all kinds of other people graduated from that music program, and so many went on to become prominent musicians. Uh, Unfortunately for John, he um, became a little discouraged with um, making a living, trying to make a living, even as talented as he was in New York City. And uh, he dropped out in 1960 and pursued other things. And, of course, um, very often the story of musicians, especially modern jazz musicians, they all dropped out. Drugs? No. John wasn't that way at all. He simply uh, uh, hung up his horn, and uh, he had a family to raise, and he decided to do other things. And uh, reemerged um, in the 80s and 90s, um, not particularly prominently. There were no recordings from that, but he did uh, work with Clifford Jordan's big band. But sadly, John became ill and died in at age 19, um, at age 62 um, in New York City. And uh, so we have a small legacy of recordings by Mr. Jenkins, and this is a good one. And we've just heard it. And we listen to a variety of well-chosen tunes by Mr. Jenkins, including uh, the opener, uh, Cole Porter's From This Moment On, and setting a pretty uh, high pace for this album. And then uh, an original uh, by John entitled Motif. And then the ballad of the set, um, not often played by jazz musicians, a lovely version of a tune called Everything I Have Is Yours. And uh, then uh, another John Jenkins original, um, which was based on the uh, structure of Miles Davis's tune 4, but John put a, a different melody line on the top and called it uh, Sharon. And uh, tune number 5, Uh, was kind of a tribute to his early years as a clarinet player. And um, the tune was called Shalomo. And Shalomo is the low register of the clarinet, the Shalomo register. So that's why it was called that. And the final tune was a Kenny Burrell um, original based on the 12-bar blues entitled Blues for Two, dedicated to John Jenkins. So that was our jazz feature artist this evening. And uh, as you may have gathered, um, this month uh, we are featuring the sounds of the alto saxophone played by some of the more obscure practitioners of that instrument and um, undeservedly um, obscure because they're all extremely talented 
and uh, we'll continue for the rest of the month uh, on our jazz featured uh, doing this particular uh, aspect of the music. So tonight, Mr. John Jenkins was in the spotlight. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or, of course, live streaming on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we'll be back right after a couple of important announcements. People are really done with politics as usual. But then it's all about the competition. Every Vancouverite has their own story perfect time for our alternative. Vancouver's municipal election looms October 20th. Do you know who's running for city council, school board, parks board? This is a wacky municipal election and you're going to want to stay updated. Download Seeking Office, the newest municipal elections podcast from CITR's News Collective. Find Seeking Office on iTunes and Stitcher or wherever you download your podcasts starting July 3rd. Have you ever asked yourself, what is an art book? What is a zine? Well, your chance to find out the answers to those questions is coming up soon. From October 19th to 21st, join us at the Vancouver Art Book Fair, the best festival for artists' publishing. You'll find it features local, national, and even international publishers, as well as a diverse lineup of programs, performances, and artists' projects. Free and open to the public all weekend at Emily Carr University of Art and Design. Visit VancouverArtBookFair.com for more info. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamedum-speaking Musqueam people. Well, I've got a couple of important announcements for you um, as to a couple of up-and-coming events. First of all, uh, this doesn't take place until November 4th, but it's going to be at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre, of course, and this is a concert uh, that is of interest to people that uh, enjoy jazz music. This is a a lady from uh, Brazil. And um, her name is Lisa Ono, and of course she has recorded about 30 albums over the years, and she's one of the most celebrated bossa nova artists and a jazz icon. Um, She is more famous in Japan than many Asian countries, but she has a a marvelous voice, and of course she's sold out uh, throughout the world, and she's coming to Vancouver. as I mentioned, on November 4th, uh, 2018, at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. The concert starts at 7.30. Tickets are starting at $58. Uh, you can get them at Ticketmaster. And, of course, um, she uh, really does the whole um, 
variety of bossa nova music. I mean, a lot of people think that's, well, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. But um, there really is a, a depth to that music. And, of course, um, as I mentioned before, someone of the caliber of Lisa Ono is really uh, can take you places with uh, all the variety of that music. She sings in English, Portuguese, and Japanese as well. And as I mentioned before, that's going to be a good concert. So you can, uh, there is a, a number you can uh, reserve tickets as well. It's one eight five five nine eight five five thousand. One eight five five nine eight five five thousand. As I mentioned before, tickets start at fifty eight dollars, and the concert is November fourth at the Queen Elizabeth Theater. And the artist is the great and heralded throughout the world, Lisa Ono. One more marvelous event, and this is one that I'm going to be part of. This is a book release um, by Dr. Marion Jago. Marion worked very hard on this book. This is a book published by UBC Press, and it's called Live at the Cellar, and it is a history, a cultural history, of an institution. I'm talking about the original jazz cellar, which existed from about 1956 to 1964. It was um, a cooperative uh, venture uh, by musicians, and uh, it wasn't really in the business to make money, but uh, they brought in some incredible artists, as well as um, being an outlet for um, budding um, jazz musicians. Uh, and, of course, uh, some very famous Canadian musicians were produced from there. P.J. Perry, the great Terry Clark, one of the finest drummers in the world. Don Thompson, who, of course, is a virtuoso bass player, piano player, uh, you name it. Don, Don can play it. Uh, most of these musicians were nurtured at the original cellar. Now, Marion's book goes into the, the history of Vancouver and how this club uh, evolved and was created. It's a very, very comprehensive book. Um, it's uh, very easy to read, and it's, uh, it's not academic. Um, it's, it's really a very, very entertaining read, and uh, many of us are uh, part of that book. We're quoted in the book, including myself. And uh, I'm going to be honored to, um, along with uh, uh, Dr. Jago, um, for the book launch at Neptune Records, which is happening on the 17th. That's, the <laughs> that's a very significant day in Canadian history, of course. The 17th of October um, at uh, 6.30 p.m. And, of course, Neptune Records is up on Main Street, 30, uh, 3561 Main, Main and 20th. And the uh, book launch uh, and talk by both of us, uh, Dr. Jago and, and myself, Gavin Walker, um, will be discussing it and answering questions and, and so on. So it's a, a book launch. And as I mentioned before, this book uh, has been published by UBC Press, 
It was a long time coming because uh, um, Mary and Jago, Dr. Jago, really worked hard uh, to get everything right in this book. And this is really a first for Vancouver. Now, a lot of cities um, have had jazz books written uh, about them, uh, the city of Seattle, Los Angeles, uh, other cities, Detroit. Um, this is a first for Vancouver, and uh, it goes back into our um, music history and our relationship to this great music, jazz music, and, of course, the, the seller. And also in the book uh, are other cooperative uh, clubs that happened across Canada, Edmonton's Yardbird Suite, Halifax's 777 Barrington Street. Um, back then, all these clubs were run by musicians that essentially wanted a place to play. And uh, then the clubs evolved, as did uh, Vancouver's original jazz cellar. So this is what the book is all about. Very, it's very entertaining read, and as I mentioned before, the book launch is this Wednesday at Neptune Records, 6.30 p.m. Like to see you there. Check it out. The book is called Live at the Cellar, and I do believe it's available on Amazon as well. You can check it out. And uh, the author is Dr. Marion Jago. And her name is spelled M-A-R-I-A-N, and her last name is J-A-G-O, and it's pronounced Jago. All right. We're going to return to some music now. This time, the great Dinah Washington. These are historic recordings that uh, uh, Dinah did. Of course, uh, she was uh, so well-liked and such a great singer. Um, she kind of recorded every aspect of music. She could get down and dirty. She could do gospel. She could do a very heart-rending, soft um, uh, ballad. Uh, she had such a range, and uh, she was a wonderful jazz singer, one of the finest on the planet, the great Dinah Washington, uh, these are recordings that were done uh, live in a studio in Los Angeles with an all-star band. And Dinah had three great trumpet players with her. Clifford Brown, the late, great Clifford Brown, uh, Montreal's own Maynard Ferguson, and the great Clark Terry. On piano, Junior Mance. On bass, Keeter Betts. And on drums, the great Max Roach. And we're going to hear a couple of tunes um, from this set, we're going to begin with um, the introduction, spoken introduction, introducing everybody in the band. And Dinah's going to go into uh, Cole Porter's I've Got You Under My Skin. And then we're going to continue uh, with some more music by Dinah and this whole group of stellar musicians. So uh, have fun with this. This was done live, as I said, in the studio with all these great players, and Dinah. So here she is, Miss D. Uh, we've got a lot of people here, and I'd like to introduce them to you. So let's open up the curtain. Let me tell you who's here. Dinah Washington. We'll be doing a program. A pretty fair drama called Max Roach. 
Sheldon Clifford Brown. Some more relatives. Manith Ferguson. Clark Perry from the Duke Ellington Band. Herbie Geller. Harold Land on tennis sax. Richie Powell. We've got two bass players. George Morrow will be on one. And when he gets tired, there's an archer here, Peter Betts. He'll play the other bass. And the only guy who's fatter than me, Junior, on the other piano.
sake of having you near in spite of the warning voice that comes in the night and repeats and repeats in my ear Wake up to reality But each time that I do Just the thought of you Makes me stop Before I begin Yes, I've got you
Wrap it up. Yes, that's from uh, an album called Dinah Jams. And of course, uh, we heard the singing voice of the great late Dinah Washington, Ms. D. And um, Dinah with a whole all star group of musicians. Um, they were all announced at the uh, at the top of the uh, of this uh, series, and uh, we heard um, the producer, who uh, 
was a very fine gentleman that uh, produced records over the year, Bobby Shad. And, of course, he mentioned all the people uh, involved in this uh, uh, basically jam session format. Uh, just doing familiar tunes and, uh, and just having a good time and, and uh, pleasing the uh, invited studio audience and uh, making a very fine record, which is now kind of a classic. All of this was recorded August 14th, 1954. Uh, that's a few years ago in Los Angeles. And we heard on the trumpet section uh, people like Clifford Brown, um, the late, great Clifford Brown. He was only 24 uh, when he performed here. Uh, Maynard Ferguson, of course, the great uh, high-note trumpet player, uh, was born in Montreal. Clark Terry, and we heard uh, saxophonists. Harold Land on tenor saxophone, and Herb Geller on alto saxophone. And there were actually two piano players, and they kind of shared the um, chorus. The regular piano player uh, for Max Roach's band was... Uh, Richie Powell, the late Richie Powell, and the other piano player was Junior Mance. And the two bass players kind of split duties as well, Keeter Betts and George Morrow on basses and Max Roach on drums. So the tunes we heard, we opened with uh, Cole Porter's I've Got You Under My Skin, sung by Miss Washington. And, of course, she... Um, we there were uh, solos on there by the three trumpet players. Clark Terry was the first, Maynard Ferguson, and then Clifford Brown. Then we heard a lengthy version of um, Oscar Hammerstein's "Lover Come Back to Me," and um, with Miss D singing the uh, lyrics to the tune, and then segueing into uh, the first trumpet solo by Clark Terry followed by tenor saxophonist Harold Land, and then a fine solo by Clifford Brown, uh, followed by Herb Geller on alto saxophone, um, Maynard Ferguson on trumpet, and Max Roach on drums. They all soloed on that piece. The final piece was the final selection of this uh, day in Los Angeles, and uh, that was an interpretation of a tune that's a jazz standard, really, um, I'll Remember April. And uh, Dinah sung the lyrics to that, and then we moved into some solos by um, a lengthy one by Clifford Brown, followed by Harold Land on tenor saxophone, followed by Maynard Ferguson. Uh, then we heard a Max Rhodes drum solo. The two piano players, Junior Mance and uh, uh, Richie Powell, uh, played, and uh, Herb Geller on alto saxophone, and then the tune was taken out in fine jam session style. So I hope you enjoyed those three selections from this um, famous album called Dinah Jams, featuring, of course, the great Dinah Washington. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or, of course, on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and... Uh, well, we have something to tell you about.
Yeah, we got a fine week of weather. Um, we're into this uh, marvelous stretch, and uh, it's not going to let up. It's really going to be quite nice. Tonight is clear, of course, and cool. It's going to go down to about 4. And then tomorrow um, is going to be sunny with a low of 4 and highs between 15 and 21, depending on where you are. And on Wednesday, same Sunny with a low of 8 and highs between 17 and 21. And a little bit of cloud on Thursday and Friday. A mix of sun and cloud for both of those days with a low of 6 and highs between uh, 14 and 16 um, and further inland 18 and 20. So not bad. Sunday or or Saturday is sunny um, again. Hey, we can't get enough of this. Uh, with a low of 7 and uh, highs between 15 and 21. And then Sunday is going to be a mix of sun and cloud with a low of 8 and a high of 15. So the good weather is continuing. I think that's great. So, and I, I'm sure you do too. Everybody seems to be in a much better mood. And, of course, we have the big vote coming up on uh, October 20th. The civic election. And a lot of people sort of say, well, you know, there's just too many candidates. I can't decide. Well, you, you know, pick your candidates by party. I mean, you don't have to vote for all of them um, as long as you, you don't go over the maximum. Uh, so if you decide to, say, vote uh, for the NPA or the Greens or, or whatever, just Go down the list and see all those people that are in the party that you favor and vote for them. That's all that's necessary. And, uh, but the main thing is to go out and do it. Vote if you haven't done it already. Have you ever thought about going abroad to study, work, intern, or learn a language? Mark Sunday, October 21st in your calendar and get down to the Vancouver Convention Center East Building to find out how. All the experts under one roof. Top universities, gap year specialists, and student travel organizations. Feature seminar on scholarships starts at noon and expo opens at 1 p.m. Admission is free. Check online at studyandgoabroad.com for more info. Without the help and support of our friends, we here at CITR wouldn't be able to bring you all the great music, art, cinema, and culture that you love. Thanks to the long-standing support from the Rio Theatre, we are able to keep you informed on all the great artists, films, and everything else coming to town there. For all the current information about who and what's playing at the Rio Theatre, visit their website at www.riotheatre.ca. Listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded Coast Salish territory of the Honkameenam speaking Musqueam people. I just want to mention once again the uh, book launch, which is uh, the first 
book ever published about the jazz music history in Vancouver. And, of course, uh, that's all about the original cellar, and which, of course, was uh, located. It's where the, the new development uh, is now, Rise, they call it. But the cellar was there. Uh, the original building, of course, is now gone, and everything, everything's changed there. But it was right uh, on that little street uh, between Main and Kingsway called Watson Street. It's basically a back alley, but it's, uh, it's got a name. And that's where the cellar was, the original cellar. And, of course, um, this book by Dr. Marion Jago is called Live at the Cellar. And there's going to be a book launch happening at Neptune Records, um, 3561 Main Street. That's Main and 20th on Wednesday. Yeah, that's the uh, significant day in Canada. But uh, So I'm sure everybody remembers October 17th. The book launch will commence at uh, 6.30. There'll be uh, a talk with uh, Dr. Uh, Jago and myself, uh, Gavin Walker, and we'll be uh, uh, discussing the book and answering questions from people and all that sort of stuff at, uh, at Neptune Records, 6.30 on October 17th for the book which was published by UBC Press called Live at the Cellar, and it's all about these cooperative clubs um, that happened. The Cellar was the major one, and that's the centerpiece of the book, but there were other clubs that happened in other cities too, and they were all uh, basically um, cooperatives by, uh, started by musicians, jazz musicians specifically, that wanted a place to play. And uh, the clubs evolved from that. And, of course, it goes into the... Marion's book is so well-researched. It goes into the, uh, um, the history uh, of Vancouver as regards our very strange liquor laws that uh, have pervaded the city over the years and uh, how <laughs> these clubs dealt with uh, all of this stuff. Uh, most interesting as well. And uh, just how they how the clubs evolved and what caused them, what was the movement that kind of uh, made these clubs happen. It's all very interestingly uh, written about uh, in a really fine non-academic fashion as well. And so congratulations to uh, Dr. Jago for doing a lot of work on this book and congratulations to UBC Press for publishing it. So the book launch once again, Neptune Records, 20th and Main, 6.30, October 17th. Check it out. We're going to move to uh, music at this point. Wonderful album called Eastern Rebellion. And it featured the great piano stylings of Cedar Walton, along with George Coleman, the great Big G on tenor saxophone, and... Sam Jones on bass, and Billy Higgins on drums. We're going to hear two tunes. All of this was recorded in 1975, and uh, it really is just such a superb uh, recording. It came out on Timeless Records, Eastern Rebellion. And we're going to open with John Coltrane's beautiful composition called Naima, 
And we're going to move to a George Coleman composition called Five Four Thing. So here then, Cedar Walton on piano, George Coleman, Big G on tenor saxophone.
Such a marvelous piece of work. Wow. Eastern Rebellion, a quartet led by pianist Cedar Walton and featuring one of the great and still-living voices of the tenor saxophone, Mr. George Coleman. And on bass, Sam Jones. On drums, Billy Higgins. And we heard two tunes from this um, 1975 date recorded in New York City. The first tune was John Coltrane's famous composition that he wrote for his first wife, and it was entitled, of course, Naima. The second tune was written by George Coleman and entitled Five Four Thing. What a great band, Eastern Rebellion, the late, great pianist, Cedar Walton. We're going to turn to two rare recordings by the Count Basie Orchestra. We're done in the uh, round about 1945, and these recordings are hard to find, but one of the highlights of this recording is the drumming by the great Shadow Wilson. This is some of the finest big band drumming that uh, you can imagine. Buddy Rich, who was very critical of most drummers, uh, said uh, at one time that uh, Shadow Wilson's drumming on uh, these two tunes was uh, the best he had ever heard. And he, he didn't say that in 1945. He said that much later on after these recordings actually became history. Anyway, this is a wonderful edition of the Basie Band. All kinds of uh, marvelous people in here. Uh, of course, Count Basie on piano. Um, on guitar, of course, is always Freddie Green. Rodney Richardson on bass. And as I mentioned before, Shadow Wilson on drums. And um, I'll let you know the soloists on here. The band is full of all-star musicians but uh, I'll let you know the uh, soloists um, when we hear these two tunes. The first one was written by Basie. Uh, it came from within the band, so it's an arrangement by Basie and Freddie Green and Rudy Rutherford, and they put their heads together and wrote this tune called High Tide. That's the first tune we're going to hear. The second tune um, was arranged and written by the wonderful Jimmy Mundy, who was a, a marvelous arranger, and he wrote this tune. It's called Queer Street. And um, the drumming on here is just absolutely incredible, just as Buddy Rich said. The great Shadow Wilson on drums with Count Basie's orchestra. High Tide and Queer Street. Thank you. 
Two rare items from the Camel Basie Band from 1945. And the first one was entitled, uh, featured a uh, neat little arrangement. Uh, the first one was called High Tide, and uh, it came from within the band. Basie and Freddie Green and uh, Rudy Rutherford, the bass player, wrote, wrote that tune. And the second tune, a little more complex, was written by Jimmy Mundy, and it was called Queer Street. The soloists on the first tune, um, High Tide, were... Um, Preston Love on clarinet, Buddy Tate on tenor saxophone, Dickie Wells on trombone, Harry Edison on trumpet, and Count Basie himself on piano. And on the second tune, uh, we heard solos by um, Basie on piano, of course, J.J. Johnson, a young J.J. Johnson in that band on trombone, uh, Illinois Jaquette, Count Basie, and a little bit by Harry Edison. And, of course, this uh, incredible drumming by the great Shadow Wilson. High Tide and Queer Street, two rare items by the Count Basie Orchestra. Recorded way back when. We're going to turn our attention now to some, what they used to call West Coast Jazz. Now this is recorded in Los Angeles. Um, by a whole group of very experienced uh, musicians, very versatile musicians, of course. Um, Not only, most of them came out of the big bands, and of course they they were prominent jazz musicians, but they also made a very, very good living um, moving to Los Angeles because you had the movie industry there, you had TV productions, all that kind of stuff. And these guys, of course, um, actually did very well and played much jazz as well. Um, they never lost their jazz credibility by doing all this kind of commercial work, which was available in Los Angeles. That's the reason they moved there in the first place. Anyway, this is from an album that came out on uh, Atlantic Records called Clickin' with Clacks. And it features Shorty Rogers, wonderful trumpet player, composer, and his giants. There you go. Um, Herb Geller is on alto saxophone. Bud Shank is on alto and baritone saxophones. Bill Holman on tenor saxophone. Jimmy Jufrey on clarinet and tenor saxophone and baritone saxophone, Lou Levy on piano, Ralph Pina on bass, and the great Shelley Mann on drums. We're going to hear three tunes from this album that came out on Atlantic Records called Clickin' with Clacks. Clacks was William Claxton, the great uh, photographer that recorded a lot of or photographed a lot of jazz musicians, and his uh, photographs are iconic. So that's why this album was dedicated to him and called Clickin' with Clacks. There you go. So the first two, these are all Shorty Rogers' um, compositions and arrangements. Toyland is the first tune we're going to hear. Second tune is called I Dig Ed, whoever Ed was. Um, And the third tune is entitled Our Song. So here then, Shorty Rogers and his... Giants from this album Clickin' with Clacks. Mm-hmm. 
Some West Coast jazz, that's what they used to call that style of music. Um, Well-arranged and uh, lots of nice solos and, um, yeah, and of course reflective of the the nice climate that most of these musicians felt in uh, the city of Los Angeles where most of them, they were, um, none of these guys were originally from there. They emigrated there. during the 50s when uh, musicians were uh, well employed, not only in the movie studios, TV productions, uh, recording with uh, pop stars, all this kind of stuff, but they also played a lot of jazz and um, maintained their jazz credibility. So this band was led by great flugelhornist or trumpeter Shorty Rogers, and the band was called Shorty Rogers and His Giants. And uh, this is an album that came out on Atlantic Records called Clickin' with Clacks, dedicated to the photographer William Claxton. Uh, the people involved here, uh, Shorty Rogers on, on flugelhorn on most of the pieces, if you, you heard that, that was Shorty. Uh, Herb Geller on alto saxophone, Bud Shank playing alto and baritone saxophones, Bill Holman on tenor saxophone, Jimmy Jufri was heard on all three pieces on clarinet, and Lou Levy on piano, Ralph Pina on bass, and Shelley Mann on drums. And we heard three Shorty Rogers compositions. The first one was entitled Toyland. The second one was called I Dig Ed. And the third tune was called simply Our Song. Shorty Rogers. Well, you know, musicians never retire. They may get old, But if they can still play, they will be playing. Here are two saxophone players that are in their 80s. They're both from Philadelphia. They're great, great players. One of them is Larry McKenna, and the other one is the legendary Bootsy Barnes. And both of these guys um, really never established national reputations, but all the musicians knew about them. And, um, of course... People like, uh, who lived in Philadelphia, uh, musicians that did achieve uh, national fame, people like Benny Golson and John Coltrane and so on, they hung out with these guys. They knew. But uh, these were two gentlemen that preferred uh, not to travel. And uh, so we're going to hear Larry McKenna and Bootsy Barnes, two great 80, over 80-year-old 80 saxophone players, Uh, Lucas Brown plays the Hammond B3 organ, and my old friend Byron Landham, Wookie, on drums. And we're going to hear two tunes from this wonderful album, which uh, came out on Cellar Live just recently. The album is called The More I See You, and uh, it was produced by the redoubtable Corey Weeds, of course, uh, for the Cellar Live label. And it's one of the best releases uh, in a long time. Uh, from the label, which has a lot of good releases, but uh, this one's especially good. We're going to hear two tunes. The first one is called, as Jimmy Heath's famous tune, For Miners Only. And the second tune is a tune by Bootsy Barnes, entitled Three Miles Out. So here are these two great 
saxophone players in company. Thank you. 
Two great tunes from this uh, pair of tenor saxophonists. They're, both of them are uh, in their 80s, and they're still playing beautifully. Bootsy Barnes soloed on the uh, uh, both tunes first, and the other uh, tenor saxophonist is Larry McKenna. They're both Philadelphia guys, and uh, they've chosen to live in that city. They don't have... Uh, uh, international reputations, but musicians know about these guys, and uh, they're real. Both of them are icons, and uh, they're playing beautifully. Look at that, you know. Uh, musicians never retire, um, and these guys are still vital and uh, cooking, and they're in their 80s. That's just so great. Um, Bootsy Barnes and Larry McKenna on tenor saxophones, and Lucas Brown on the Hammond B3 organ, and Byron Landham, Wookie, on drums. And we heard two tunes, 
the first tune was written by a fellow Philadelphian, the great Jimmy Heath, and he called that tune For Miners Only. And the second tune was written by Bootsy Barnes himself, and this one was entitled Three Miles Out. And this is from an album which um, Corey Weeds produced um, by going to uh, Philadelphia and recording these guys and uh, putting the album out on Cellar Live. And uh, there you go. Um, it's a wonderful album. The album is called The More I See You. So we'll be hearing more from this uh, wonderful um, octogenarians playing the saxophone and doing it so well. Bootsy Barnes and Larry McKenna. We're going to turn now to a very rare edition of Art Blakey and his Jazz Messengers. This is recorded at the Lighthouse in January of 1966. And, of course, that's a legendary club in Hermosa Beach, California. And this band, this edition, it was a short-lived edition of the Messenger, Jazz Messengers, but uh, you won't believe who's in it. Chuck Mangione is on trumpet, who, of course, went on to uh, uh, do some incredibly um, bestseller albums, of course. He became an icon. Chuck Mangione is playing trumpet here. The late, great Frankie Mitchell on tenor saxophone. None other than Keith Jarrett on piano. That's right, Keith Jarrett. And on bass, Reggie Johnson. And on drums, of course, the mighty Art Blakey. This is a tune written by Chuck Mangione called Recuerdo. And it features everyone in the band. Thank you. 
Recorded at the Lighthouse in Hermosa Beach, famous jazz club there, January 1966, a very rare edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And that featured uh, Chuck Mangione on trumpet, uh, along with Frank Mitchell on tenor saxophone, and the one and only Keith Jarrett at the piano, Reggie Johnson on bass, and of course, Art Blakey on drums. And this was a a composition by Chuck Mangione called Recuerdo, and uh, this is from uh, Art Blakey's album, which came out on MRC Records, called Buttercorn Lady, and this, uh, the one and only recording, uh, this um, rare edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. We're going to wrap up the show with a couple of pieces by the great... Alto saxophonist Cannonball Adderley, along with his brother Nat. And uh, this is from a, a recording called Domination, and it features Cannonball and Nat um, with a large orchestra. I'm not going to give you all the personnel and everything, but uh, a large orchestra conducted, arranged by Oliver Nelson. And uh, we're going to hear two pieces of music from there. Uh, with all the horns, the, uh, the brass section, trombones, and, and others, other saxophones, reeds, um, the bass player on here, of course, is the redoubtable Richard Davis, and the drummer is Grady Tate. And, of course, Cannonball Adderley on alto saxophone and Brother Nat on cornet. And we're going to hear two compositions. The first one is... Uh, cannonball composition called Domination, and which is the title track of this album. And the second tune is by Nat Adderley, and it's called Cyclops. So here then, Cannonball and Nat with uh, Big Band with arrangements by Oliver Nelson.
Two tracks from this album with the Adderley Brothers, Cannonball Adderley on alto saxophone and Brother Nat on cornet. And the orchestra was conducted and arranged by Oliver Nelson. He wrote the tunes, and we heard the title track was the first tune called Domination, and the second tune was a Nat Adderley composition called Cyclops. Actually, Oliver Nelson didn't write those tunes. Cannonball wrote the first tune, and Nat, of course, as I mentioned, wrote the second tune. Okay, but the orchestra was conducted and arranged by Oliver Nelson. So that's it for this edition of The Jazz Show. We hope that you can uh, join us next week. We start at 9 o'clock in the evening and carry on until well after midnight. And we're here every Monday evening. And, of course, we'll continue with uh, another obscure, undeservedly obscure alto saxophonist next week because that's what we're doing this month. And uh, we'll just keep it a surprise until you tune in next Monday. Thank you so much for being out there on behalf of uh, CITR FM 101.9 or... Of course, on your computer for live streaming, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker. This is a, another edition of The Jazz Show. Have a great week, and uh, take care of yourself, and check out that beautiful sunshine that we're going to have for, well, maybe forever. Yeah, right. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye.